When I, it's unmuted now, is that correct? That's correct, we can hear you. Okay, I can see you. And we can see you. Okay, I can't see myself and that's always unnerving, so. Uh, <laughs> but, but okay, it's working. You look great. I'm on time, so that's good. You do look great, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. To the members of the public that have joined joined us today, if you wish to speak at this meeting and you are an attendee at the WebEx, you will see the chat feature. If you wish to speak, please send the host a chat indicating your agenda item or topic. A speaker list will be generated.
Chair O'Neill, it's now four o'clock. We can begin wherever you would like. Okay, well, um, since we have everyone here, we might as well get started. <clears throat> okay, so good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 5th, regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Committee member of Mercer is absent. Committee member Mueller? Here. Committee member Purcell? Here. Vice Chair Houston? Here. Chair O'Neill? Here. Um, our first item is public communications. This is the time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda? Chair, no individuals have indicated they wish to speak. Okay, great. So having none, we'll move on toward the next item on the agenda. Uh, our first item is a consent item. Item number one, approval of the HPC June 17 and July 1st, 2020 meeting minutes. Um, they have, uh, uh, do we have any comments or questions on the minutes? Let's see if I see any hands. Okay, so seeing none, do we have a, do we need a separate motion for each set of minutes or can we just make one for both? It's one item, so I'm assuming we can approve it in one action. You can approve it in one action. Thank you. Okay, so um, I'll move that we approve the meeting minutes from June 17th and July 1st, 2020. We have a second. Okay. Okay, great, moved and seconded. Um, Madam Clerk, can we please have a roll, roll call vote? Committee member Mercer is absent. Committee member Mueller? Yes. Committee member Purcell? Yes. Vice Chair Houston? Yes. Chair O'Neill? Yes. That motion carries 4-0. All right, moving on to the next item on the agenda. We have one formal item. It's uh, item number two, project. 8105 Anna Kappa Courts Design Review at 297-299 East Main Street. I believe we will begin with a, um, oh, first we need to do ex parte communications. So if you have ex parte communications on the project, please raise your hand. Um, I don't see. I don't see any, though I believe uh, committee member Purzell do you have a? Yes, I'll be recusing myself from this item. Okay, so staff could maybe remind us on the, how that works with the web meeting. I mean, usually you have to leave the room or the dais at least. How does that work in this case? Sure, thank you, Chair O'Neill. So uh, committee member Brazil, you will just be moved down to an attendee uh, and muted, so you won't be able to speak. You can continue to view the meeting. Okay, thanks a lot. Great, thank you. Um, I did not see any other hands raised for any ex parte communications, and I also have no ex parte communications on the item. Um, so I now believe we'll move into the staff report. Hold on one moment as we move um, committee member Purzell down. I apologize. Okay. 
Thank you. Right. Thank you, Chair O'Neill. Uh, the item before you this evening is the Anacapa Courts Project, consists of 24 condominiums and about 3,800 square feet of ground floor commercial at the corner of Palm and Main Street in downtown Ventura. The project would normally require formal design review approval from the HPC, but based on the emergency ordinance passed in May, the process has been refined to make the HPC a recommending body on the design to the planning commission and the planning commission will make the final design or action on the design, the environmental document, condo map and the coastal development permit. The project was publicly noticed with the sign posted on site 10 days prior to the hearing and mailed notices were sent to owners and occupants within 300 feet of the subject site 10 days prior to the hearing in accordance with city noticing requirements. Next slide. The project sites located in the downtown specific plan and within the mission historic district. The downtown specific plan envisions a development pattern that's compact, walkable and mixed use. The Mission Historic District seeks development to encourage uses that promote the preservation, maintenance, and improvement of points of interest while assuring the new development keeps the historic character of the area. Here is an aerial shot of the project site blocked in yellow and the surrounding area, and buildings such as the Washington Hotel and the Hamilton Hotel are called out in blue, as noted in your staff report. Next slide. Here are some context photos. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Next slide. Sorry. The top hat, uh, former hot dog and burger stand is circled in red in the top image. Uh, this is a potential national and local landmark and will be protected in place. Another view of the project site from Palm Street below. Uh, this is a public alley that will be the primary entrance for uh, vehicles for residents and uh, commercial visitors. Next. And adjacent properties to the east and north, including landmarks 89 and 69, the Hartman House and 79 Palms. Next. And other multi-story buildings uh, along Main Street, such as the Watermark, the Mission uh, Century Theaters, the Ventura Inn, Bank of Italy, and Finney. Next. And other multi-story buildings along Palm Street, such as Holy Cross, apartment house and a seven story apartment building at the corner of Palm and Santa Clara. Next. Here are various versions of the project that have evolved over time and in response to the design review committee and the historical preservation committee feedback. So the project was first submitted in 2005 and at that time had many and over and since that time has had many renditions. The applicant worked closely with the city and the hearing bodies to potentially look at relocating to a different site, retaining on site, along with other design refinements. Uh, the project stalled during the recession of 2007 and then picked back up in 2014. Within that time, uh, the top hat closed in 2010 and a new architectural firm was brought on and subsequent rounds of review from the HPC and the DRC uh, were discussed as further detailed in the report. Next slide. In 2018, the top hat was found to be a potential national and local landmark. This changed the project design as you see it before you today. The DRC reviewed and supported the design as presented um, in June of this year with some minor comments regarding additional landscaping within the interior courtyard and some color coping on the west and north elevations and the applicant is agreeable to these refinements. 
Next slide. The site is square and accessed via public alley as we saw in a prior image. Commercial is located along Main Street and a small commercial element adjacent to the top hat on Palm. There are three resident entries, two off Palm and one off Main Street. All parking will be screened behind the facade and the building frontages at the design requirement of the downtown specific plan. A conceptual foundation system which avoids underground historic resources is proposed as requested by the HPC. Next slide. The top hat is a single story prefabricated steel panel walk-up food stand. It was constructed around 1948 and closed in 2010. It's significant due to its association with commercial development immediately after World War II and is an early example of prefabricated all steel construction. Its period of significance is 1947 to 1952. HPC motion in 2018 directed the applicant to engage a historic preservation professional for the top hat's connection and rehabilitation as it relates to the new building. Next slide. The applicant engaged San Buenaventura Research Associates and they prepared a memo attached to the report detailing a phased approach for the preservation, collective demolition, protection during construction and rehabilitation and reuse in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitated Historic Structures. These are exhibits from the memo indicating non-historical elements that will be removed such as fluorescent lighting, rooftop ventilation systems, the substandard restroom, et cetera, but only if the removal will not damage or diminish the integrity of the structure. Interior features that are viewable within the top hat from the outside that detail the historic use, such as the countertop, will be retained dependent on its condition. The building will be protected in place with a weather-resistant encapsulation during construction of the new building adjacent to it. Next slide. The top hat will be retained for an adaptive reuse. A kitchen cannot fit in the existing structure as of current, uh, current health standards today. We had a lot of comments in prior hearings to finally to increase the potential of it being restored to its historic use. So as directed by the HPC in 2018, an architectural hyphen is proposed between the top hat and the new building. This is intended to minimize alterations to the top hat and allow for access between the two buildings, providing more opportunities for its potential reuse. This is also consistent with Secretary of Interior Standards number 10, and that if the new building were to be removed, the top hat would be potentially um, unimpaired. The rear facade is not, has not been identified as a distinctive feature, so its removal for an adaptive reuse is consistent with Secretary of Interior Standard 5. Although a tenant hasn't been identified yet, this increases the likelihood for a conjunctive use of the top hat structure and potentially its historic use, as also consistent with Secretary of Interior Standards number 1. Next. The new building is designed to be distinct from the top hat as a nod to the historic use of the structure with vibrant colors and attached vent seating in its conceptual uh, levels. The applicant is required to submit a rehabilitation and reuse plan subject to HPC review and approval for the top hat structure. While the staff report details this would be required prior to certificate of occupancy for the top hat rehab, we recommend that HPC discuss whether or not this rehab plan should be reviewed and submitted for HPC review prior to building permit issuance of the new development. This would ensure further compliance with the Secretary of Interior Standards for Rehabilitation. Next. Also a response uh, to the HPC direction, there will be interpretive panels along the east elevation of Palm Street. 
These will tell the story of the area from the Chumash to present day. This will also be subject to HTC review and approval prior to building permit issuance of the new building. Next slide. In previous DRC and HPC meetings, there was a lot of discussion about warrants and exceptions, or those are triggers within our downtown specific plan for new development as it's a forum-based code. Uh, now, since we have the historic resource that's going to remain on site, we technically have a site with a, a potential historic landmark. The downtown specific plan requires that those properties containing a historic resource or potential historic resource need to adhere to the downtown specific plan's historic design guidelines and not the urban standards related to building types or frontage types. That said, there are 12 design principles and 10 Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation. Next slide. The design guidelines indicate that infill projects should be influenced by other facades and historic resources and not attempt to copy them. There is only adherence to the design principles. This is because historic resources are not necessarily going to fall into the guidelines of the forum-based code that the DTSP has. And the DTSP or the Downtown Specific Plan anticipated this by way of these historic design principles. Uh, in previous DRC meetings, there was a discussion, but since it's gonna be retained, we no longer need to look at building types or frontage types. Next slide. This project is modern contemporary architectural style with green building features. In accordance with principle three, uh, the building uses clean lines and a rhythmic window pattern and a ground floor with large storefront windows and metal awnings along the tire width of the building. In accordance with principle uh, nine, the shop front and lobby entries are recessed into the building and the residential entrances along Palm Street further break up the facade with unique storefronts, lighting and elements with interpretive history uh, metal panels. Next slide. In accordance with design principle one, the proposed ground floor storefronts along the south elevation or Main Street are characteristic of the existing and historic facades along Main Street with varying roof lines, similar scale and rhythm, recessed openings, used materials such as tile bulkheads and large display windows. In accordance with principles two and 10, the building is similarly designed to nearby mixed use buildings of similar scale with residential use above commercial such as the Washington Hotel or the former Washington Hotel adjacent to the Mission and the Hamilton Hotel. The proposed project breaks up both the main and Palm Street facades with horizontal and vertical breaks or elements. And then the southeast corner has been cut out to accommodate and preserve the top hat structure. Next slide. This is the north elevation. We see a change in materials above the ground of the garage floor. That's the primary entrance. Uh, the DRC recommended uh, providing more coping or color on this elevation, and the applicant is agreeable to it. Next slide. This is the west elevation adjacent to the existing structure. DRC also commented that this elevation should have more color and coping, and the applicant was agreeable. Next slide. Cross sections of the courtyard area. Next slide. Courtyard perspectives. The DRC also asked for additional landscaping within the courtyard, and the applicant is agreeable. Next slide. In accordance with principle five and regarding roof articulation, the proposed project includes a straight parapet line along the third story and the slope metal roof at varying pitches at the uppermost level. Next slide. 
in another view of the site from Palm. All mechanical equipment is screened from the streets and hillsides as required by the downtown specific plan, the 2008 design guidelines, as well as being consistent with design principle seven. Next slide. Here's another image, bird's eye view from Maine looking at the project. Next. And another image of the courtyard. Looking east. Next. The exterior building materials include brick veneer, hardy plank siding, and stucco extended with aluminum storefronts, wood clad windows, and a standing seam metal roof. These materials are compatible with the materials used on adjacent historic buildings as required by design principle six. Next slide. And the landscape plan. Again, as noted earlier, DRC would like more landscaping in the courtyard. Next. And rooftop landscaping for the terrace, which will be at the corner of Palm and Main, and the images that inspired that space. Next. And the proposed plant palette, including a drought tolerant and area adaptive species. Next. So the project was subject to uh, the California Environmental Quality Act and an environmental document um, mitigated negative declaration due to its location in the Mission Historic District and the historic structure of the top hat. The MND was prepared by RINCON, circulated and identified three areas that require mitigation measures, biology, cultural resources, and geology and soils. The project includes a conceptual foundation plan at the request of the HPC to assist with future excavation and protection of known locations for potential underground resources. These measures ensure proper methodologies and procedures are adhered to should any archaeological or human remains are encountered during excavation. This includes infield monitoring and reporting by an archaeologist and a Native American consultant, and also that adjacent trees are monitored for any roosting birds prior to construction commencing. The proposed project is consistent with the planning documents as it utilizes the local design guidelines to redevelop an underutilized site with an infill development as envisioned in the downtown specific plan, including consistency with the historic resource design guidelines and Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation. With that, it's staff's recommendation that the Historic Preservation Committee recommend that the Planning Commission approve the mitigated negative declaration with the mitigation monitoring program and the formal design historic preservation design review subject to conditions. The applicant team has a presentation and we also have RINCON available to answer any questions regarding the environmental document. This concludes staff's presentation and thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, I believe before we get to the applicant presentation, we can um, ask some questions of staff. As a reminder, the committee members, this is time is just for questions to staff, not comments on the project just yet. But if anybody has questions of staff, um, please raise your hand or just unmute yourself. Um, committee member Muller. Well, uh, my question is, is that this project seems to be uh, in the middle of a series of design reviews and approvals. 
And uh, I'm, I'm wondering what happens from here on out after this meeting. Are there going to be more opportunities to review? It looks like the uh, the actual historical uh, preservation procedures for the the top hat. Uh, but um, to what extent will we be involved uh, downstream from this meeting? Yeah, thank you, um, Member Mueller. So both the interpretive Palm Street historic panels along the Palm Street elevation and the rehabilitation and reuse plan will both be submitted to the Historic Preservation Committee for your review and approval. So the HPC will be working very closely with staff and the applicants to make sure that we are further consistent with the Secretary of Interior Standards for Rehabilitation of the structure and that we also have a historically correct depiction of the storyline within the interpretive panel. Yes. I'm going to follow up on that question if I could. Um, does the city take into account the fact that the HPC may no longer exist so that that mitigation may not be sufficient? Netta, did you want to address that question? Uh, from, uh, th thank you, Chair O'Neill. From um, direction we've been given by council to staff, there is no desire to disband the HPC. Uh, so we have um, we have no concerns with the HPC to be able to review that. Uh, we can talk further with the applicant when the applicant does come on board. My understanding is they would like to do that quickly. So we foresee that um, the rehabilitation plan is gonna be coming before the HPC uh, shortly and it won't be, you know, decades from now where, where that's occurring. Okay, because that seems to be, you know, just whatever the political will of the, the current council is at that particular moment in time and has changed like three times in the last year. So I think it, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to comments. Um, sure, <clears throat> if the HPC would like to modify mitigation to uh, the mitigation measure, we can absolutely discuss that. Okay. Uh, Committee Member Muller, I see your hand again. Committee Muller. I think you're muted. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, I have a follow-up question to my previous uh, inquiry, and that is, uh, this then would be our opportunity to propose or ask questions or make recommendations about the design of the, of the Anacapa Courts project because from here on out, we're gonna focus strictly on uh, the historical preservation elements of the top hat. That is correct. Thanks. Uh, Vice Chair Houston, do you have any questions of staff? Not at this time. I may, once we get into discussion, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I have a couple of uh, quick questions. They may be for the applicant team, but staff can let me know because it may be more um, more directed to staff. Um, when I know there's a lot of history to this project, you know, there's been demolition that was considered, relocation was considered, et cetera. But when it was decided the project would retain the resource but and, and the environmental document would move forward, but wouldn't go as far as preparing, you know, schematic level, let's say rehab plans. Um, you know, no tenant identified, et cetera. It's understandable, but did the city or the applicant ever consider just not including the rehabilitation as part of this project? And 
it would be, you know, protection in place, rehab not apart. And then when plans were developed, it could be processed if they complied with the standards as a simple CE. I mean, it seems like this is very messy and that would have been cleaner. Is that, was that ever considered or was the, had the train left the station or, you know, procedurally why, you know, with, without a lot of detail on the rehab and not even a use defined per se, was that ever considered? The applicant will probably be able to answer that question better. I know that the whole effort thus far with all the design elements and the rehab plan has been done at the direction of the prior historic preservation committee and the design review committee. So they can speak to the specifics of that timeline. Okay, great. Because I don't think there's anything in the CEQA guidelines that says just because something's on your parcel, you have to include it in your project. Um, so it seems maybe a little premature. Um, my last question is probably one for the project team. So I think um, unless we have any new questions that have come up from committee members, we can move into their presentation. Seeing none, you're ready. Uh, applicant team, if you don't mind, if you are speaking, turning on your camera so we can see you and then we can move into your presentation. Um, hi, I'm Sandy Smith and I will begin um, comments from the project team. Um, anyway, can you hear me okay first and foremost? Yes, we can. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, again, I'm Sandy Smith from SESPE Consulting, and I'm representing uh, Downtown Ventura Properties in the Anacopa Courts Project, and I'll sort of begin this, uh, with a few comments uh, before I kick it to Nick Deitch. Um So I'd like to begin by saying how pleased we are to bring this project before you this evening, and a word of thanks to the staff for the quality work they've done uh, uh, of late and over the years, and a nod to this committee uh, for the previous years of input and feedback and the approval of this design that has resulted in the quality project you uh, have before you this evening. Um, I'd like to share just a few brief personal comments uh, before uh, we begin our formal presentation. Uh, both Nick Deitch, uh, who you'll meet in a few minutes, and I have a long history of working in the downtown, a uh, history that's played out over a period of decades from our work on both downtown and specific plans to uh, having offices within two blocks of this site. Uh, I was born in Ventura 69 years ago, and I was a chef owner of a restaurant across the street in the 80s and early 90s, and ate burgers at the Top Hat in the months of construction, preparing for opening. And when I left council in 2005, I was presented with a painting of the Top Hat, which is now located on my wall at home. So both Nick and I have an informed understanding of the importance of an of and historic significance of the cultural resources of the downtown. Uh, that understanding is shared by the Watling brothers, local investors who have spent in excess of $400,000 conducting archeological research and study to ensure the integrity of the site, as well as the top hat structure. Uh, equally, the Anacapa Courts uh, itself has benefited from the input of this committee. Uh, and, and, uh, and as I mentioned, the previous approval of this design and from approval from the design review process and the design review committee, uh, resulting in broad-based support that includes nearby businesses, as well as Father Tom at Mission Sandboyne Aventura. Uh, I'd like to introduce my colleague, Nick Deitch, uh, principal at Main Street Architects, 
in the downtown through the context uh, of the project itself and the elements uh, that make up Anacapa Courts. Okay, thank you, Sandy. Uh, I assume you guys can hear me okay. Um, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, as Sandy said, we both have a long history. I think I, I opened my office on Main Street in 1983, and uh, coming from San Luis Obispo, I saw downtown Ventura as uh, just brimming with possibility and potential. And um, over the years, we've been able to to realize a lot of that. When Maruha shared the plan of the projects within the area, I realized that our our hands are on several of them: the renovation of the Bank of Italy. Uh, the the um, Craftsman House behind our site, the Holy Cross School, we were the architects for, the Pirano renovation, we were the architects for, the Gateway at China Alley, I designed. Uh, I've got my my handprints all over this place, and I hope for the better. Um, I also want to let you know that Mitch Stone is with us this evening um, in the wings. He's our historic preservation consultant from San Buenaventura Research Associates, and he's here to also answer. He's been collaborating with us on the Top Hat Rehabilitation Plan. And I do appreciate, uh, Chair O'Neill, your questions about the Top Hat and the timing of the renovation of the, of the structure. And, and what I'll say is that, first of all, when, when the applicants bought the property, that building wasn't on any list of historic elements whatsoever. It wasn't in the downtown specific plan. It was not identified on the Historic Preservation Committee's um, list of landmarks or potential landmarks. It wasn't there. So, this this has evolved through this this journey, and um, as someone had shared, that it was finally was it was um, declared historic or potentially historic in 2018, I believe. Um, so it's taken some time to um, adjust to the idea and figure out what to do with it. And and I want to assure you, we had some extensive dialogue with the HPC through this process of what should happen to it. Should it be moved? Where? You know, cut in half, all kinds of things. We've looked at this thing up, upwards, backwards, sideways. Finally, and, and, and to be quite frank with you, I think that process, as, as long as it has been, and as arduous as it has been at times, I think the project has gotten better for it. And so I, you know, I actually kind of hate to admit that, but I think that's the truth. The project has gotten better for the process. Um, the timing now with regards to the top hat is essentially that. We don't want to build the building and have the top hat sitting there not, not complete. It's in a very prominent location. So it makes sense that we, we bring the two projects alongside each other and, and work them out together. And, and we're ready to do that. And um, our, we, the, the challenge, of course, is we don't know who the tenant will be. Uh, my desire would be that we find a great kind of diner tenant who can use a brand new kitchen in the new building and, and serve the food from the top hat and create some, you know, really kind of happening social hub there at the corner. But we can't promise that, we can't guarantee that, but we can guarantee that we'll take care of this little building and we'll treat it properly. And so we have the right team to do that. So um, enough said, uh, I'll just walk you through these slides. You've seen uh, most of these images already, but I think I'll share my perspective on them. Ned, if you could go to the next slide. So this is a, a, an infill mixed use project in the heart of Ventura. When we created the downtown specific plan in 1994, these are the kinds of projects we envisioned for the downtown. Um, the top hat structure is preserved and, and retained its original prominence, and the design is intended to bridge the past and the present, incorporate elements of our architectural heritage, 
uh, while also representing the present and the future of the downtown community. community. Next slide. The zoning is 6.1, T6.1 is in the urban course, the most intense zoning in the city. Uh, the, it intensifies activity on a, on, and community use on a 24 hour basis. It provides residents an opportunity to live in a place and work and play without having to get in a car every day. And um, that's something that I'm a strong advocate for. And I think there are certain places in our community where that makes a lot of sense. And this is one of those places. Next slide, please. Um, there's a there's a bit of a, a fear of urbanism in, in Southern California and in Ventura, certainly. Um, the idea that we might have buildings that are taller than two stories scares some people, and I understand that. But I, I do wanna point out that it's historically appropriate. Uh, in the uh, prior to World War II, the downtown was the economic hub, and if it had stayed that way, it probably would have continued to evolve much like it did prior to 1920. And you can see there at the corner of the the Rose Hotel, where the um, where the Rose Department Store ended up being, and then ultimately where our Dargans is. Uh, that is a, a an intense urban hotel in downtown Ventura. Next slide, please. <clears throat> and and a wonderful piece of architecture, which I would not dare try to copy. Next slide, please. So the, the building highlighted is the Anacapa Hotel. That building sat on the site of the Top Hat prior to 1928. It was demolished at that time. And again, it is a three-story plus a, a, a full-floor roof uh, massing on that location. And you can see the other urban buildings in proximity as well. And this was circa 1928. Next slide, please. I love this picture of downtown, how vibrant it was uh, at, at this time and the variety of architecture and the variety of skyline. And I wanna point out that the tall white building in the distance there is the Ventura Inn. And what you see is the, the, the side of that building at a property line with a very large uh, white face. Uh, other buildings you can see the side of, like right in the middle of the slide, you can see the side of the Hamilton Hotel and there's a sign painted on the side of the building. And uh, it, there's a lot of texture like that that you see throughout the downtown. And um, these are the kinds of, of cues that we've we've tried to, to learn from and, and, and echo. Next slide, please. Um, just, just a really interesting mix of architecture and uh, a variety. Notice that there is no predominant style. There's a predominant texture. Next slide, please. I love this. I love this slide. Um, apparently, at where the um, uh, Star Lounge is, there was a a something called the New York Cafe. And you can see the skyline of the city carved out of the top of that sign. It is fabulous. I I wish we had that sign. Next slide, please. So this building uh, takes its cues from some of those buildings, and also quite frankly, from the Casa de Anza apartment building on Ventura, Ventura Avenue, which I also was the renovation architect for <laughs> some 15 or 20 years ago. Um, it's a very simple aesthetic, a very simple urban aesthetic, the blade sign announcing the entrance for the residential, the notch for the top hat, um, some additive elements that could have occurred over time, that, that kind of approach. Next slide, please. Again, the, so the side of the building where we're bumping up against a property line, I, I want you to be aware that that um, 
the retarded children's thrift store, which I think is now ARC. Um, that is a site that is also zoned to accommodate three and a half to four stories of building and it's owned by the mission uh, and the Catholic Church. And as as much as we um, you know, resist or may fear change, I think we need to recognize that there's a likelihood over time that that property is going to evolve. Um, and in the meanwhile, we're proposing some kind of a mural in the old school style of, of an advertisement. Uh, so that again is, is something that isn't finalized, but, but the idea of it is part of our proposal. Next slide, please. Yeah, and uh, you know, Maruha shared these, these uh, images also. The, I think we've done just about everything we can to pay homage to the top hat to set it up for success. Uh, the biggest challenge with it was that, that there is no way that a commercial kitchen could work within that building. And um, at that point, you know, we had this sort of brainstorm that, oh, if we abut it to the new building, we could provide a brand new 21st century commercial kitchen and the top hat becomes the portal, the, the point of service. And that makes total sense. Now we can meet the health codes and we can preserve this thing and, and make it useful. Um, so that's the goal, that's the intention. Next, please. The courtyard, Maruha shared these images. Next, please. Just a detail. Uh, the idea potentially of the uh, of the street front uh, countertops is one of the one of the owners, one of the applicants uh, has seen something similar and, and fell in love with the idea that there could be a countertop with bar stools and uh, you could sit and have a burger and watch the, uh, the life of Main Street uh, cruising past you. I, I think that's a great idea. Next, please. Our intention is, uh, as, as was stated, is to collaborate with HPC to come up with the right plan to get this thing fixed up and to, to get it back into shape. And we're ready and the applicant is ready to engage in that process. Next, please. So here's the site. Next. Next slide, please. Here's the Anacapa Hotel. And this is a fabulous photograph. If you were able to zoom in on it, you can see the signs in the windows. The, there's a dog sitting on the uh, sidewalk. It's actually a boardwalk. It was wooden. Uh, horses, carriages, it's, it's just amazing. But I, in particular, just to see the scale of this building, this lot has been empty for about 40 years. Next, please. So there we are. Um, we've put a lot of heart and soul into this, and I um, I can tell you it's been a long process. I started working on this in 2014, and I uh, I eagerly encourage you to support us and help us through this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um... Um, do, we have, does, do any members of the committee have questions of the applicant team? I see committee member Muller raising his hand. Please go ahead. Well, thank you. And thank you to the applicant team for their persistence and determination and commitment to the downtown hmm. and to the preservation of the top hat. Uh, we, we do appreciate that. Um, you know, in the previous reports, there was a lot of hand wringing about and uh, uh, you know, attaching this to a new structure or separating it visually, how, how do you do that? 
and I and I think you know, um, I guess well, <clears throat> my opinion is you're 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 trying to find the right combination of uh, of reuse and uh, and that makes it distinctive, and that's that's what makes it uh, you know a burger stand. You know, people are eating burgers. Uh, now, my my question is then, um, you know, in looking at the plans we've we've been submitted for this phase of the project, uh, there isn't a lot of detail about what's going to be behind the wall connecting the historical structure to your new structure, and and you've spoken about uh, well, we can put a kitchen back there, we can do all kinds of things to uh, promote the use of uh, the historical part of it. And uh, is there any detail available uh, on that? Uh, is that still in design or still um, un unresolved at this point? Nick, you're muted. So we haven't, we didn't hear anything. Somebody else. muted me. Thank you. Uh, thank you, committee member Muller. Um, so, you know, this is a process and we have to, to work our way through it. And I, I kind of liken it to a, a ratchet where you pull it down and you lock it in and you're, you know, and then you pull it down a little more and you lock it in. And that's what we've been doing. Um, we didn't want to, to design something and then find out that this isn't acceptable. And, you know, we got to start over again. Um, I am very confident that we have a, a design approach here that works. Uh, we will build into that new building an opening that may or may not be open, depending upon the tenant. If if we do not get a food use tenant lined up, the the building owner is not going to pay for a commercial kitchen and cross his fingers and hope that someone will come and use it. But we will set it up completely for the success of that use. And I have a tremendous amount of personal confidence that it's going to work. Um, but that discussion, the the details of what we call the hyphen. Uh, I, I believe those are going to be part of the plans that we will be sharing with, with you all uh, so that you can understand how it's going to work as well. Um, I think that's that's as, that's as good an answer as I can give. I want to make sure everyone understands that we're not promising this is going to be a burger stand. Um, that's up to the market response. Uh, Vice Chair Houston, do you have any questions with the project team? No, I'm seeing a shaking head no. Um, okay, I had a couple questions. I mean, um, the first one is, does anyone on the project team, maybe from RENCON or San Buenaventura Research Associates, have any um, thoughts on, you know, separating the rehab, the sequel review of the rehabilitation out, rather than try and make a standards analysis in, in a seemingly premature time? Um, for the project, does anyone have any insight into that? Um, was it considered? Um, if, if not, that's okay too. Uh, I just thought it was worth asking the question. I'm, I'm not from Rencon or San Buenaventura, but I could take a shot at answering it. Thanks. Um, I, I, I think as a, a the, the the original intention was to let it sit and try to find a tenant and then go through the process. Mm -hmm. But I think as we've moved through this and we've seen how the process is working, um, the feeling was that we, we really didn't want it sitting there um, surrounded in chain link or something waiting to be uh, rehabbed. Uh, so the plan at the moment is that we'll do the basic rehab. We'll clean it up, get it watertight, 
uh, take away all of the non-historic elements, uh, buff it out and paint it fresh, and um, and and we're not quite sure. Maybe maybe go even a little further um, in terms of putting up a sign marquee, creating a sign program, that kind of thing. And we expect that we would engage with you with you all to to do that to get that ready. And then what we really don't want is for an unrehabilitated building to be sitting there on the corner when this when the rest of the project is opened and, and ready for for life. And and frankly, I think just the process of getting it of starting the rehab will attract tenant interest. We can show potential tenants what we have in mind. Okay. Am I, am I answering your question? Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I think that helps. And I do know there's a backstory in previous meetings that to which I was not a part. So I understand that clearly as well. I just, if, if I were advising on, I might have said process them separately so that just for just because one is a lot further along. That's all. Um, it, it's it's a question. It's probably too late now. So. Um, yes, please go ahead. Sure, um, hi, yes, hi. My name is Greg Martin. I'm a planner with uh, Raincon and the project manager for this initial study. And uh, I think to maybe answer the other part of your question about whether or not or why it was, uh, was or wasn't in CEQA on analysis. Basically, we, you know, analyze the, the project as it's proposed and um, this was part of the uh, the project proposal, so uh, we went ahead and and did that. Uh, if you have other questions about about you know why it was chosen to be this was chosen to be part of the project at this time, maybe staff could further address that. But um, yeah, it was proposed as part of this project, and so we uh, did analyze it in the initial study. Yeah, understood. It was in the project description you received or had to develop. I understand. Okay. Um, I have a couple of design questions, if that's all right for the architect as well. Um, uh, the first floor height is 20 feet. Is that to accommodate the parking? So the, the, the code actually requires uh, uh, 18 foot is sort of the target. Um, and, and to be candid, I don't remember exactly how we have 20, except that Interestingly, you'll, you'll note that the site slopes up as you move up Palm Street, so that when we get to the alley, um, we're up uh, probably four feet front of the property to the back of the property. And so to get the clearances we need into the parking garage from the alley, we had to start out at that elevation. That kind of set the tone for us. And then we carry it out from there. Um, but what, but the benefit of that is that uh, the, the shop space, the retail space is open and light and, um, and tall. And that's definitely a marketing benefit, and it's it is also traditional in terms of how, if if you remember that picture of the Anacapa Hotel, that ground floor was very tall. Okay, thanks. And then the the uh, floor to floor heights above that are twelve feet, correct? And that's part of the downtown specific plan, I believe. Okay. And um, what did you use? I know there's a lot of horizontals and breaks and materials and verticals, but did you use any datum lines? <laughs> You know, looking at street elevations, you know, photo montage to pull anything, you know, across the block or from across the street, or is it just, you know, dictated by design, you know, guidelines yeah, and yeah. parking requirements? 
Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think it's internal. It's an internal thing. And one of the reasons I, I wanted to show those pictures of, of Main Street early on in this discussion about responding to the historic context, there was a criticism that our cornice lines and our lines should line up with the adjacent buildings. And if you recall that picture of downtown Main Street, nothing lines up. It's it's all over the place. Um, and there's a there's a lot of interest in that, I think. Um, yeah, you can you can see that there's just so many different things going on here. Um, so I when when that comment was brought up that we should match the cornice line of the building next door, I pushed back. Uh, you know, we don't even know how long that building will be there, and it doesn't even have a real cornice, honestly. So, um, you know, I just I didn't see that that lining it up with those things would, would really make much sense or or much difference. Okay, so then the the attempt to um, to make it compatible with the district, let's per se, is really in materials and um, yeah. you know the mixed use. I mean, that's historically there was a lot of mixed use, so it's really sort of in the base and you know shaft capital kind of organization and materials. Right, right. and window patterning. You, you can see the variety of window patterning and the punched punched openings. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. Okay, I think those are all my questions at this time. Um, maybe, maybe some later during discussion, I will say. Um, any other questions from committee members? Okay, so seeing none, I think we are ready to move into public comment. Um, is that, am I right? Yes, so if, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item? And as a reminder, each speaker has three minutes. Yes, we have one individual that would like to speak. Uh, that would be Stephen Schaefer. Great, Steven, thanks. Uh, you are unmuted. Thank you, this is Stephen Schaefer. Um, uh, well, Nick and Sandy, I hope you can write me a check since I'm the one that actually had to put the National Register application together to put the top hat on the National Register. Because up until that point, the um, project applicant refused to actually do it. So, um, so I, I, will, I will keep my comments. Uh, the Conservancy uh, put in a, a comment letter, but these are my personal comments. Um, and uh, I just want the, the committee to remember that there is no promise of a build date on this new project. There's no guarantee that the owner of this property will build this. And we need to be absolutely clear whether the Watlings build it or if they sell it as an entitled project, as is their right, that the mitigations are clear and tied to the project milestones. That's probably why they are tied together. Um, I work on a lot of CEQA mitigation projects and the clearer they are, the better, and the mitigations that were in the comment letters, um, they protect the top hat and they don't seek to stop the project. So they just make everything clearer so that in the future, if somebody buys this project and decides to build it, we all know what's expected of them. Um, so I do like the idea of, of having uh, some of the milestones tied to prior to building permits so that we can sort these out early, as Maruha said. Um, I would add a historic architect to some of the mitigations um, because the HPC, uh, as was noted before, might not be around anymore at the whim of the council. And because, um, you know, the rehab and reuse plan and the interpretive panels um, at the moment need to all come back to HPC and 
they're going to come back to planning commission, which has no experience there if the HPC is disbanded. Um, I think a historic architect that meets the Secretary of the Interior standards should be added to the mitigations that involve design and the hyphen and things like that. It was good to see that a lot of the things like signage and seating are not actually attached to the building, so that all qualifies. Um, but we don't know who the tenant's going to be. It could be a flower shop, it could be a burger stand, it could be a walk-up virus testing kiosk, depending on what the future holds. Um, and um, I'm not really sure that the hyphen, from a design standpoint, um, really reads like a hyphen. It's hard to tell where the building ends. It just sort of is glued to the back, to the front of the, the other building. Um, and it probably, the hyphen should happen at the seams of the existing prefabricated panels, which I think was in one of Mitch Stone's um, analyses. It shouldn't look like it's glued to the wall of the building that's behind it. Um, a hyphen is not a flashing. And it's, you know, I mean, just like in, in text, a hyphen is generally smaller than the words it joins. It should have a gap with it. So um, there's lots of mitigations in my, in, in the Conservancy's letter. Thank you, Mr. Schaefer. Did we have any additional requests to speak? We do not. Uh, I did want to note that there were, we did receive two um, emails from individuals and their names will be reflected in the minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, the applicant team actually has three minutes for rebuttal of public comment, should you choose to use it? So would you let us know if you would like to rebut anything in the public testimony? <laughs> Um, well, I guess, I'd, yeah, I think I'd like to say that um, I'm a little surprised by the comments. I think the um, the applicant worked with the information they had. They have bent over backwards to try to come up with a solution that the community would appreciate. And um, given all that we've been through, I, I I'm, I'm I'm a little bit um, saddened by the comments I just heard. Um, I actually had a more intensive hyphen on there, and it was it was. Um, told that, that we should make it simpler and less obtrusive. Um, again, I'm more than ready and, and anxious to work with HPC to uh, fine tune those things with Mitch Stone. I, I do not believe I need a historic architect looking over my shoulder. Uh, you know, I'm the architect for Heritage Square in downtown Oxnard, the architect for a number of historic buildings in this community. Um, I love this place. I think we can handle it. Um, and, and we work well with others. We play well with others. So that's, that's what I've got to offer. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. So with that, the public hearing is closed and we are open to deliberate. Um, let me see here. Sorry. It's really hard on a laptop screen to jump around between PDFs and text. Um, all right, so we are ready to move into deliberation on the item. Um, don't know if anybody wants to kick it off. Um, happy to do that. Otherwise, I don't see hands. I don't think so. Oh, I do see hands. All right. Okay. I think Vice Chair Houston, I saw you first. I, I don't actually want to kick it off, but I thought it might be easier to separate. Um, this into a discussion of the new construction and then a discussion of the top hat in whatever order, but. Um, 
Yeah, I think that would be helpful, and I think it would be helpful to, to also further break it down because what we're being asked to recommend on is a um, ISMND document and a design review, I guess, recommendation since we're not making the final approval. So we actually have two things that staff is asking for us to make a decision on. Um, and then also we have two buildings per se. Um, so I think that would be helpful. Um, to me, I think it might be easiest to start with, to actually start with the new construction and any feedback on that before getting into the actual historical resource on the site. Um, that would make most sense to me. Um, but that's probably because I have more to say on the latter than the former. Committee member Muller, did you want to um, offer any suggestions for organizing this discussion? No, I agree. I think, uh, dealing with a new construction first, that's probably more straightforward for us. Okay. Uh, my comment on that would be that I took a walk down there Monday, and you look at uh, the th that section of Main Street, that block across the street, and it's very much 1950s retail with you know floor-to-ceiling glass windows and a lot of openness. And and I see that you know the, this project is attempting to uh, to work to that. Uh, it, I'm, I'm not sure that um, that it convinces me, but then, you know, I that, that may be just a matter of taste. Uh, maybe one thing is to consider whether the, the window pattern there on the first floor is uh, really commensurate with uh, what's on Main Street. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, Vice Chair Houston? Uh, well, I was part of the HPC at the time this came before the earlier iteration of the design came before us. So I know there were a lot of comments at that time, both by HPC and DRC. And I believe that those comments have been addressed. So I don't feel like I want to make a lot more comments. I do concur with the, the recent DRC comments. Um, I think looking at it again, one of the things that struck me was sort of the monumentality of the first floor along the Main Street facade um, adjacent to that building. But I also believe that Nick Dyche um, explained that very well, especially when you asked the question, Laura, about um, why, you know, why is it so tall or essentially that. I think that the awning that they're adding there helps break that up and bring the, the you know, that level down somewhat if you were at the street level. Um, so that's one comment. The other comment was, I think, you know, it wasn't a DRC recommendation, but I think it was in the um, staff report that perhaps a more articulated cornice would help on the third floor. And I think I might agree with that. Um, but other than that, I don't think I have any comments. Uh, maybe staff can um, let us know if the, the cornice detail was one of the ones that the applicant has indicated agreement on or, or not, the third floor. The applicant has agreed with all of DRC's comments. Okay. 
Thank you. Um, I will uh, um, add my comments, which are I pretty much agree with my fellow committee members. You know, I don't want to muddy the waters of um, uh, you know the extensive design reviews that have already taken place. Obviously, improvements have been made. Obviously, the DRC is more more or less satisfied with just some minor tweaks. Um, you know, I do still question the floor to floor heights and wonder if. I would want it in the record for planning commission that I do wonder if the scale could be brought down by shaving a foot here or there um, at each floor level and and or something to bring down the um, very large size of the, the retail storefronts on the main street side. I know that's nice and bright and light for um, applicants, but and I know that there's variety on the street, but that doesn't mean there's no context just because there's variety. So I do kind of wonder if the scale at the ground floor could be somehow closer to the scale of, of the historic storefronts along the street. Um, and I do wonder if the scale of the building overall could be improved in its context with some looking at the floor to floor heights. That being said, um, you know, other than that, in terms of it being an infill project and what should be a live work downtown, I think it's fine. Um, it, those are my main comments. Uh, I don't want to get into the discussion of the um, notice that I uh, think you know, notice of decision that staff prepared yet, because part of it for the design review is contingent upon um, things in the MND, which we haven't discussed yet. So. It's not appropriate to go down that path yet in terms of a formal recommendation on the um, new design. And uh, if we don't have anything else to say about the new design at this point, we can talk about the ISMND and just the design and treatment thus far of the landmark historical resource. Um, uh, Vice Chair Houston. I just wanted to add, um, I really liked the mural idea on the west facing side. I thought that was really cool. And I like the improvements that have been made and, and I do want to thank the applicant for hanging in here because this has been a really long process and it's still not over. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right, so if we move on to the ISMND, the Mitigated Negative Declaration for the project as it relates to the historical resources on the site. Um, I, I'm gonna just get started because this is a, one of my expertise areas, I guess. Um, it seems to me that the card is a little before the horse here in terms of analyzing the project for the standards, I may repeat myself here a little. I apologize if I do um, through my cobbled together notes, but it, it seems that the standards analysis is prematurely completed and there really isn't enough information to do an adequate analysis. Um, I don't want anybody to panic. I'm not suggesting that the rehab, the tenant needs to be identified and the rehab needs to be fully defined before you know a CEQA document can move forward. That's not what I'm getting at, but I do need to make all of this clear. Um, certain activities may comply, such as what the, the elements they plan to remove, you know, cleaning it up or mothballing it so it doesn't get dam damaged during construction. 
but the project as a whole as it relates to the historical resources hasn't been defined or designed. That's why I asked in the beginning if it's not really, you know, a separate project um, because one has moved so far along. So I don't think we can say that the, I don't think it's appropriate to make a sequel finding that the project related to the historical resource complies with the standards. You know, lack of information doesn't imply compliance. Uh, it actually just means that we need better mitigation measures to ensure compliance is achieved. So that's where I'm heading. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be fully designed. It just needs some mitigation measures, measures to ensure that impacts indeed are mitigated to less than significant. Um, I don't think a finding for this resource at this stage of impacts are less than significant is appropriate. And the reason I say that is because rehabilitation of the resource is included in the project description. Um, so your the hands are kind of, you know, when doing that, that becomes the project. If the, the pro, so it, it's, you can't kind of separate it out or piecemeal it, I don't believe. Um, it's pretty common to include plan, plan review and construction monitoring for historical resources, even when we only have schematic level plans. Um, for the, you know, just to ensure the project complies as it's refined and built. In this case, we have a memo and some exhibits. We don't even really have schematic plans. Um, and the notes that the HPC will review it later on is just not sufficient in this case because we just, you know, we're not part of the city charter. We, we can be disbanded at the will of the council, which has almost happened already in the last year. So I don't think it's in the city's best interest or the best interest of the property owner, if whether they intend to build it or sell it to not have mitigation measures to ensure compliance as the project is actually designed related to the historical resource in the environmental document. And sorry to be long winded, but you know, I've got a few more things to say on the point so that all my points are very clear up front. You know, the, the, um, the memo is very well written but it uses terms throughout that it only, you know, they only reviewed removing elements that are outside the period of significance, future work is reviewed by the HPC, et cetera. And there's just no guarantee of that at this time. Um, so I just think that there's no there there in terms of that being the, the linchpin that holds this together as no mitigation is needed. Um, it, it's not a guarantee. The memo serves as a great treatment plan, I think. Um, that demonstrates the project could be designed to minimize impacts less than significant, but it's not that it is designed as such because it's not fully designed, um, not even to a schematic level. And the treatment plan should then be accompanied by mitigation measures in the MND for plan review at key stages by a qualified, meets the Secretary of the Interior's professional qualification standards professional in architectural history or historic architecture, in design development, um, construction document phases and that construction monitoring be a mitigation measure as well. You know, and I don't, you know, it's being processed as an IMD anyway, so this doesn't change the environmental document. It doesn't change, um, it, it doesn't, you know, bump things up or down. It just gives the protections that are warranted given the lack of detail that we have at this time. I'm concerned about things like clarity for, you know, the property owner and or if, if the project was sold, because it says the project, you know, as 
designed and depicted in the environmental document complies with the standards, but it does show a freestanding sign and a counter and all these things that may or may not be part of the project, but can be easily implied as, well, no, everybody said those are okay. So if they come back and it says, well, you know, when there's detail to those things, they're not okay. Oh no, but you guys all said it was okay. I, I think that this is a real problem. Um, I wholly agree the project can be designed to have less than significant impacts on the historical resource. But if the city wants, and I believe we do, the ISMND to be legally defensible, then there needs to be meaningful, measurable mitigation for the historical resource rehabilitation. I really think it's in the best interest of everyone. So that is my long-winded spiel, and I would love to hear from my other committee members on their thoughts on this. I guess um, my, I'm not familiar enough with CEQA documents and mitigated negative decks and that sort of thing to know exactly what should be in them. So all I can do is say, I, I'll trust you and go along with whatever you're saying. Are you recommending then that additional um, mitigation measures be put into the, the document? Yeah, I'm, I'm recommending that some pretty simple pretty commonplace mitigation measures related to future reviews of the project by a qualified professional be incorporated in the project. That would be an extra layer in addition to, you know, HPC review, fingers crossed that it happens in case it doesn't happen. So we don't end up in a case where things go to planning commission without expertise or are dealt with just at the staff level without public input per se. I mean, don't think that would happen, but you know, we need to be we need to be realistic and we need to protect the resource. And I think at this point, our ability to do that is to get mitigation measures in here in the event of any of these hopefully things that do not happen. So yes, it's not to stop the project, it's not to it's it's to get mitigation measures in the MND for the built resource on the property, not just the archaeological resources. That's fine. And hopefully you thought some up. <laughs> <laughs> I have some ideas. Committee Member Muller. Well, I'm looking at page four of the staff report, and I, I wonder if this is relevant uh, because uh, like my fellow committee member, uh, my expertise does not lie in the sequence of ordinances that, that we work to. Uh, but this report, staff report says, based on the emergency ordinance that was adopted by city council on May 18th of 2020, the community development director has the ability to adjust the hearing bodies a project goes to or make one hearing body a recommendation to another hearing body. And in this case, uh, they say the process is being modified to make the DRC and HPC a recommending body for the design of the project which will be forwarded, forwarded to the Planning Commission for final action on all parts of the project. Um, are you are you saying that that shouldn't matter or that, that it doesn't apply? I guess I'm not I'm not sure. No, I'm I'm saying that that's that's for this this that's for what we're reviewing right now. The MND the design review we're doing right now. What happens in the future may or may not be under an emergency ordinance. So that's a great point, though, that if it, if they move forward really quickly and, you know, maybe we become recommendation only or something, um, I'm not really sure. But um, 
my point is for the next time they submit their actual rehab plans, that could be in two months, that could be in five years. And this MND doesn't actually protect the resource, the event of, you know, this, it, it, it's in the event of changes to committees, changes to ordinances, you know, changes to review, it, it, it um, relies on the fact, it, it, it argues that there's no need for mitigation because the project will go to the HPC and or community, community development director for review. And I think that is the shortcoming. I think there needs to be a better safeguard in this case, given the climate that we're in. Chair well, O'Neill, if I'm, I'm sorry, Committee uh -huh. O'Neill, go ahead. I'm sorry, I wanted to respond. I, you know, um, I think I follow that line of argument, uh, but we're gonna need the words to uh, make a recommendation in that direction. Sure. Um, staff, uh, please feel free to weigh in at this point. Okay. Thank you, Chair O'Neill. Um, I think if the HPC would like to add additional mitigation measures or strengthen the existing mitigation measures, we are very supportive. If there's uncertainty of if HPC will be here and if there will be the expertise of this committee and a public forum for this to occur, uh, mitigation uh, language to the mitigation measures could be added HPC or with uh, the expertise of a historic preservation consultant that's hired by the city to move uh, to a public hearing for discussion and action. Uh, and that public hearing can be the planning commission. So if this does go down uh, along the lines of it being five years from now, and uh, if the HPC is not here at that time, that the staff would hire historical preservation consultants that would review the rehabilitation plan with recommendations and expertise that would still go to a public hearing of the planning commission uh, for public input and discussion and action on it. Uh, if that's something that would help strengthen um, the uncertainty of the HPC not being around during that time, that certainly can be added. If there's additional mitigation measures that uh, the committee would like to add, we can absolutely incorporate them and you can make that as part of your uh, motion uh, should you move tonight on the project to be incorporated uh, and incorporated into the MND before it moves up to planning commission for consideration. Hope, hope that helps. Uh, Chair O'Neill, you, you are muted. Sorry about that. No, it helps a lot. I, I just don't think that this is an either or. I think we should be adding, my, my recommendation is that we add mitigation measures um, but prior, you know, at least recommendation of planning commission that they incorporate mitigation measures, regardless of whether HPC is around for the resource. I don't think it should be, you know, if HPC is not around. Um, I think it's just best practices and it's a conservative approach admittedly, but it's best practices when you don't have plans to a sufficient level of detail to do a real, you know, robust standards analysis that you include standards analysis by qualified professional, meaning the, the specific PQS, Secretary of the Interior's PQS standard, standards to the environmental document. It's very commonplace. And it's not excessively onerous for the property owner. 
um, or a future property owner who would undertake the project, or if you know they want to apply the cost to the tenant who wants the. I mean, it, it's not. It's going to be you know some incredible burden to do that. Um, it's in every. I think it's. I genuinely think it's in everybody's best interest. Um, so is supportive, and we can absolutely incorporate um, additional okay. mitigation measures, and uh, the HPC can make that decision tonight and and recommend accordingly. Okay, um, so that is sort of related to the Secretary of the Interior Standards component and the design of the any future rehab on the top hat building. Um, there were some concerns raised in public comment and communications received on the archaeological monitoring. Um, I thought that the staff response to comments in the MND on those was helpful and clarified some things. Um, and there was some additional language of, about it tonight that you know HPC had previously required certain things regarding the foundation and location of certain parts of the project to be sensitive to that. So um, I'm less, uh, I guess, concerned about um, or able at this point to make recommendations for additional cultural um, mitigation measures related to archaeology. Because in, in addition to those, the city does have standard mitigation measures for archaeology, in addition to the ones in the in the MND. Um, but I would like to just say on the record that the planning, I hope the planning commission um, does take into consideration of the public comment um, on the circulated document with rela related to archaeology to see if they might think that more robust mitigation measures are necessary. Uh, Vice Chair Houston. I, I would just say one thing on the archaeology. Um, I actually was able to tour the site with John Foster in 2012 when he was excavating out there, which I think was the most recent anything that's been done. And I don't remember if I'm pretty sure that they tested, you know, all over the property um, that's going to be developed, but the comments from San Buena Ventura. Conservancy mentioned another area that wasn't mentioned in the MND, and the only thing that the the only thing that the mitigation measure in the MND mentions is that if during construction they happen to hit other um, unexcavated portions, that they collect the artifacts and put them in the museum. And I think it it actually at that point should stop um, and determine whether uh, further testing or data recovery is is required or is needed, um, you know, by the the project archaeologist who's monitoring at the time, rather than just saying, you know, dig up the artifacts and put them in in the museum, because I, I my feeling is they may have only gone to a certain level, maybe the historic level, um, in the excavations that Greenwood did. And they may not have gone down to sterile soil. I, I don't know because I haven't read their report. Okay, that's really helpful. So would that then potentially be an additional um, or a modification to the existing mitigation measure that we yeah. would want to see? Okay. Staff, did you have a comment on that? You don't have to, I just thought you were gonna talk. <laughs> I was in the mind. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so it sounds like we have some modifications, additions to the MND and, and modifications to the MND that we think are necessary for the project to be approved by the Planning Commission. So I have a couple questions procedurally. Obviously, I know we need to make suggestions for what those might be and vote, but we have, um, you know, my challenge is we have notice of decision text that says stuff that I don't agree with at this point um, because, you know, it might say that the MND is sufficient and, you know, like things like that, which I think it's lacking in these areas. So, um, so I guess I don't know what happens with the, the text of those notice of decision if we, I mean, how much do we have to modify? I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask. Uh, Chair O'Neill, so since this is just a recommendation and so there's no formal action um, and that would be taken at the Planning Commission, if you want to um, make a motion and act one way or another on the uh, mitigated negative declaration, we'll start with that. Um, then uh, the motion should just include, you know, general statements of what you would like modified or changed um, in the MND, and that that will be moved forward as a package to uh, the Planning Commission. So that will all encompass your motion with all of your comments and recommendations. Okay. Does that so help answer your question? It does. I guess my further question is, so nowhere in the administrative record is it going to say that the HPC makes the findings as stated in those notice of decision letters Correct. tonight because we're not accepting them as written? Correct. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because otherwise there'd be some redlining to do. Um, okay, um, Vice Chair Houston, you had a pretty succinct statement on the archaeology. Can you um, repeat what you would have, how you would have that modified for uh, Committee Member Mueller and I's benefit? Could you um, bring up the slide that has the two um, mitigation measures for archaeology in the I am in the <laughs> ISMND. Are these the ones you're referring to? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I think I would go to the last sentence of CUL1 and modify it to say something like, um, shall be monitored um, to determine, well, any archeological deposits outside of area one to be, to be disturbed. Um, 
something to the effect that uh, the archaeologist will make a determination as to whether additional testing or ex or um, excavation is needed prior to disturbing them, prior to disturbing any uh, archaeological deposits encountered outside of Area 1 that have not um, heretofore been evaluated. Okay, that, I mean, that was clear to me. If it's clear to staff, I'm seeing nodding ahead, yes. So can we um, sort of, uh, should we should we group all of our recommendations on the MND into one motion or should we, could we just vote on that? You should group them in, in one motion okay. with the MND package. Okay, then I will, um, I will address the built resource mitigation measures I think um, are required. So the first is that um, a historical resources treatment plan be prepared by a professional who meets the Secretary, Secretary of the Interior's Professional Qualification Standards for Architectural History and Historic Architecture. With the um, added note that the current memo by um, San Buenaventura Research Associates may fulfill this role. The reason I still want it in there as a mitigation measure is in the event that um, project changes hands or whatever might happen, then a new plan or things change, then a new plan would be required. But so it may fill that role and you may already be able to check that you've done that mitigation. The second thing I would add is um, that the plans for the, that are the same qualified architectural historian, assuming they do a good job, which I assume they will, <laughs> be retained as part of the design team for the rehabilitation of the historical resource on the project site and that they review the plans at the construction documents phase at 50% and 90% prior to getting to the full 100%. That each of those stages they provide a memorandum that steps through the Secretary of the Interior Standards and outlines how the project does or does not comply. If it does not comply, obviously it would need to be brought into compliance in order to meet the um, requisites of this environmental document. The last one I would add is that um, during construction, during at, at key points during construction, including excavation of the land adjacent to the resource, um, you know, ensuring occurs, as well as you know, at key points during the rehabilitation effort, qualified architectural historians should be available to monitor and to respond to things that may come up during, you know approved demolition, rehabilitation, et cetera. So it's basically treatment plan, um, plan reviews by qualified architectural historian or historic architect with memos to the city so they're accountable and um, construction monitoring during construction, including adjacent construction. Regarding the timing of these things, I agree with staff's note that um, it's going to be more appropriate to start doing this earlier in the process rather than when there's a certificate of appropriateness for the new building. Sounds like the project team, I'm sorry, a certificate, certificate of occupancy. It sounds like the project team is also in agreement that sooner is better. So um, 
you know, I think that the 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 timing of some of these it's, it's always hard to, to to dictate the timing, but I do think that the what becomes the rehabilitation the treatment plan historical resources treatment plan um, needs to be decided on probably you know when permit probably in in conjunction with pulling permits for the project um, rather for the new construction assuming that goes first assuming they start on the rehab first then obviously this is not an issue but if it's the other way around which i'm sure it will be for a lot of reasons um, that treatment plan should become you know officially part of the project when permits are filed so prior to issuance of building permit for the new building. Right. Um, that would probably be sufficient. I don't know that we'd want to have that first um, necessarily tie the 50% plan review to the plans for the new project only because they seem to be a lot further along. Could be wrong, but they seem to be a lot further along from what's been presented to this committee tonight. Um, but I think that an insurance that a treatment plan exists and it is official, officially part of a mitigation monitoring and reporting plan and in the record that it's been approved and received and that's what shall take place. Um, I think that I, I will add that I think that the existing memo is good and I, but I do think that um, to make it more of a true treatment plan that would be the place to put in milestones. Um, you know, milestones for construction monitoring, let's say, milestones for, um, you know, making sure that things are done in a timely manner. I'm not comfortable with adding those conditions right now in terms of timing. Um, do any of my committee members have anything to add related to that? Okay, I'm seeing that. So I guess my recommendation is, or my, yeah, my recommendation is that the MND is not approved until these mitigation measures are refined, the, the archeological mitigation measures are refined and the built resource, cultural resource mitigation measures are added as mitigation measures to the MND and the MMRP. As you have explained tonight, and that yes. could carry as a motion. Okay. That's my motion. I'll second. Okay, can we have a vote, please? Committee member Mercer is absent. Committee member, excuse me, Mueller. Yes. Committee member Purcell is abstaining. Vice Chair Houston. Yes. Chair O'Neill. Yes. That motion passes. Okay. So then the other thing to give recommendations on is the design of the new building. Um, I think we had some, some consensus there um, that, you know, generally we um, support the design of the new building. Um, but I would add that we recommend the Planning Commission consider the um, and it sounds like, you know, some of the things that uh, are already going to be changed or incorporated, like the cornice, thickening, thickening that cornice detail at the third story. Um, 
but I would say that my, if I were to make the motion, my motion would be that um, recommend the planning commission approve the design, um, but with consideration first to the, you know, as I guess as amended or re recommended by the DRC, basically to accept the DRC's recommendations for the changes and the modifications of the design. Um, I think that would be sufficient. I'm not going. I, if I if I if this is becomes a motion, it's not. Um, I'm not going to open up too many cans of worms on massing and such at this point, since it's been vetted by many people already. Um, Vice Chair Houston or Committee Member Muller, does anybody want to make an actual motion to that effect? Um, I'll try. Uh, so I move that um, HPC rec uh, we do. Um, we concur with the DRC um, the DRC recommendations and accept the plans as presented. Great. Uh, that sounds good to me. Okay. Um, and we have no, does, was there any other comments on it? Sorry, I thought I heard someone talk. Okay, um, if there's no further discussion, I think um, I'll second and we're ready for a vote. Committee member Mercer is absent. Committee member Mueller? Yes. Committee member Purcell is abstaining. Vice Chair Houston? Yes. Chair O'Neill? Yes. That motion passes. Okay, great. So um, I understand this isn't a super clean outcome, but it's not a super clean project. Projects that have gone this long never are, but I think it's one that will hopefully move everything forward in an agreeable manner. Okay. Um, I don't think we have any other items on the agenda other than staff communication. So staff and committee members, if you have anything to report that may be of interest to the committee members or the public, now is the time. Uh, thank you, Chair O'Neill. Just that uh, the next regularly scheduled meeting of the HPC is September 2nd. Oh, I apologize, is August 19th. We currently don't have any items um, ready for the HPC to to discuss on August 19th. So that meeting will most likely be canceled. The next regularly scheduled meeting is September 2nd. Okay, thank you. Does any, um, do any members of the committee have any questions uh, or comments to staff at this point or items interest of, of interest to the public? I'm so, uh, committee member Muller, yes. Unmute. Yeah, I'm wondering, is there an update on the uh, survey of the east side of town? Uh, the historic preservation survey? It was in suspense over the COVID epidemic and there was talk about some progress, but I haven't heard much uh, in the last month or so. Uh, thank you, Committee Member Mueller. They are organizing a um, tour of the city now that uh, we can do safe 
social distancing practices. So the um, consultant team will be touring the city and looking at historic resources. They've also put together a draft context statement that staff is reviewing in its draft form. And we will be scheduling that for a future meeting uh, to bring that to HPC for you guys to look at as well. Thank you. Okay, um, I don't see any other hands raised, so I believe that we can turn the meeting now. Um, so the meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night.